Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel proclamation comes from the Gospel of St. Mark in the fourth chapter, starting at verse 26 through verse 34. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of the seeds of the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately, to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel proclamation is the Gospel of St. Mark that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our third Sunday after the Pentecost theme, not about you, but for you. Well, Vacation Bible School was this week at Faith Lutheran Church in Eustace, Florida. And I, for one, was really excited about the turnout of children that we didn't even know were coming. I have been excited about all the new people coming to our congregation and being welcomed like family. I am thrilled at the new staff we've added that have already become an integral part of our faith family forever. And I would love to tell you that we have somehow planned for this or in some way executed the perfect recipe for success or simply cracked some mysterious code that has made this a destination congregation for so many lately. But the truth is, we don't know what we did or what we are really doing, or what we can continue to do to prolong this positivity. It's like we have a secret code that we don't know how to decode, and probably never will. We are just thankful for when it's good and hold on to our Lord when it's bad. This week in Vacation Bible School, they did have secret decoder rings to decode the good news of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was a really nifty blue ring that worked just like a classic decoder ring you might get in a cereal box. Just like in the movie Christmas Story. In this classic movie, a little boy named Ralphie listens religiously to the radio serial about little orphan Annie. And after drinking gallons of Ovaltine, 
Ralphie finally receives his long-awaited Orphan Annie Secret Society decoder pin in the mail. He rushes to the upstairs bathroom in the house so he could decode the message in the only place he could be understood, undisturbed. And with his brother and then his mother pounding on the door, feverishly writes down each letter of the secret message from the radio as he decodes it with the ring. Finally, his brother crashes through the door to use the potty and Ralphie stares at the secret message in total dismay, realizing it was just a crummy commercial which read, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. That's the way with it. That is the way with some secret messages. They frequently are messages that are better left off secret. For once they're found out, they no longer hold the majesty that the mystery had such high hopes for. Today in our gospel lesson is a code, if you will. The mystery of which compares little to the secret it beholds. Now, parables can be tricky, and today is no exception. Many times parables are explicitly explained by our Lord, but this is not the case today in our reading. For the Lord takes the disciples away quietly and explains without the benefit of our hearing in. So today, like Ralphie and little orphan Annie, we must look ever so carefully at the text and decode it for our reading today. First, Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, one of my favorite professors at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, once said, anytime you have a kingdom parable and a single man is involved, it's probably Jesus. So our first notch on the ring is the man is most likely if not most certainly, Jesus. Next, in the first century, if you ever used this particular word for ground, the Jews would almost instantly recognize this as promised land language. So we know this is a message about Jesus and the eternal promised land, which will come at a time that the sower, that is Jesus, does not know. Jesus himself confesses as much in Matthew 24, 36, when he says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Indeed, duty is ours, but events truly belong to God the Father. Then we learn from the text that verse 29 can be rendered when the grain is ready to be handed over, evoking the same language used of our Lord when he was ready to be handed over for crucifixion for our sins. So the kingdom of God involves his son handing over his life for the sake of the eternal promised land. And to usher in that final day, the sickle must be put in, which is the exact wording for the noun version of the word put in, apostles. So to recap, the Son of Man must give his life to get the eternal promised land, and the apostles are the harvesters for this new land.
I don't know about you, but I'm getting just a little overwhelmed at this point. I just wanted a painting of a pastoral scene of the sower with his seed. I just wanted to see amber waves of grain and bins full of enough wheat to feed the world. I just wanted the sprouts pushing up from the ground. But after a mild decoding, I got so much more. I got a savior with a crown of thorns instead of a simple sower with a straw hat. I got an eternal new heaven and new earth instead of a temporal war-torn piece of desert in the Middle East. I got brothers and sisters at my side with their Savior Jesus in their hearts, bursting with anticipation for sharing this secret code with the world and with anyone who doesn't have their decoder ring too. For if ever there was a spiritual decoder ring, Jesus is it. With the world pounding violently on our church doors while we search these scriptures, Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to open our blind eyes so we could see what we only could only see by faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. With the world rushing the very gates of our holy sanctuaries, threatening to take our freedom to worship Jesus alone, God promises sanctuary and protection with him for those who do his will. With the enemies of the church surrounding us on every side, God shows us that even the most minuscule remnants of the church can flower into the greatest of universal shelter for every creature in the universe. This is the message, and you are the harvesters, uniquely positioned in your various vocations, ready to take the gospel of Jesus to those who are the most desperate for it. And may not even know it. Oh, they may have read the message in the past. They may have even sat in church and listened to it for years. But sin after sin, and distraction after distraction, and cultural clashes slowly help them in their determined slouching toward Gomorrah, whence they had been all too comfortable in their lacking and now maybe even non-existent faith. But you sit next to them in school, work, and various avocations. You are friends with them and love them. You drive into church on Saturday and Sunday, and you see them walking their wayward way. You hold the decoded message of God's love for them. You know you are the harvesters ready to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. And you alone know what to say when that day comes, designed by God to be most open to yours and Jesus' unending love for them. And you will celebrate. And the joy that comes from waiting patiently for the Lord's time, so you can see the glory of the Lord in their faith, sprouting forth from the fertile soil you nurtured in your relationship with them. She came to our little brown church 20 years ago, a Nebraskan, just like my wife and myself. Her girls would come, but she was a dammit. Her husband would not attend under any circumstances, and I should not encourage him to do so. Now, 
either out of my first-year pastor ignorance or not knowing how to respond, I agreed to her demands. Years later, her girls would both be confirmed, and he did come on his own to those two services. And it wasn't that I never saw him. I actually saw him almost every week because they could get Nebraska football games on their cable TV, which Marcy and I did not have. So being good Nebraskans, they had us over for every game. We watched the games together. We drank beer together. We talked about our military service and became fast friends. But I never brought up church, not even once. After several seasons and more than a few beers over several dinners, one Sunday he showed up in church and he said he wanted to become a member and go to church with the girls. I about fell out right there and almost landed on his wife, who was already lying on the floor in shock. I had to ask, why? After all these years, I've never even asked once for you to come. I never invited you. I never so much as tried to have you come to anything but a party with church people off the church campus. Why? Because, he replied smiling at me. You never pressured me. You never guilt-tripped me. I'm coming because I want to come. Plain and simple. Indeed, duty is ours, but the events belong to God the Father alone. You see, it wasn't me doing anything for my friend, because I didn't do anything. It was his Savior Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to open his eyes in ways I could never imagine. As you look at this text today, it's hard to see ourselves in it. Not many of us sow seed. Not many of us reap a harvest with a sickle. And we certainly don't see crops sprouting forth from rich black dirt in the ground. No, we basically go to church study our Bibles, pray, give to the poor and needy, and share the gospel when and where we are able. But then, that is our duty. And the grandest event of all time, the salvation of even just one sinner, belongs to God and causes the angels in heaven to rejoice. That's when we get to tell our dear beloved friends, the Bible may not be about you, but it is definitely for you. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.